Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, host of the RouterFlex podcast and founder and CEO of our day job recruiting firm, RouterFlex. We hope you enjoy this episode. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the podcast for updates and news. Finally, if you haven't already, check out the series of books we've published on hiring, interviewing, and overall career advice titled The RouterFlex Guide, available on Amazon. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Most homeowners don't have the time or expertise to properly take care of their home, which causes costly issues to arise. That's where Cura Home Maintenance comes in. We're a full-service, routine maintenance company that was developed by a certified home inspector. Each quarter, we service our clients' homes following manufacturer's recommendations to properly maintain all the necessary appliances. We provide the materials and expertise to prolong the life of your property, creating a healthy and efficient environment for your family. From top to bottom, we'll maintain and service your home. To get started, we have a property inspection to determine what needs to be maintained, and a maintenance plan is created based on your preferences. From refrigerator coils to filters, vents, and drains, we do it all, and we do it well. Contact us today for your free routine maintenance inspection and never worry about your maintenance again. Ben Cole on the Rider Flex podcast. Good morning, Ben. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Steve? Doing fine. Are you in Dallas? I am. Yep. It's uh, starting to get cold and rainy this time of year, but uh, that's our normal winters. So how about you? Now I'm laughing. I'm laughing a little bit. When you say cold, what do you mean? 50? <laughs> What do you mean? You mean 50, 45? Uh, what do you mean? My computer says 41 today, 41 and uh, foggy. So that's, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. 41 for Dallas is, is, I would, yeah, that's, that's cold, right? Yeah. Absolutely. That's a cold, that's a cold day for you. Do you have a jacket? I, do you have a coat? I do. I used, I, I've lived here for eight years, but used to live in Chicago. So uh, oh. I've kept a few of my uh, warmer articles of clothing for that. And then of course I've got my, my ski gear as well, but it never gets cold enough here to pull that out. Like that stays in the bag for when I go up to Colorado. <laughs> you do some skiing in Colorado, do you? Yeah, actually going uh, next week. So we're going up to, uh, my buddy's place and Telluride. So that should be fun. But yeah, usually hit Colorado or, um, Utah, like park city are usual go-to spots. Nice. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but I live in Colorado. So I live uh, in between Denver, <laughs> in between Denver and Fort Collins. So, uh, okay. yeah, awesome. I'm, uh, yeah, I see lots of snow on the mountains. I have not been up to the mountains, uh, since it started snowing this season. Uh, now I'm 57, so I've backed away from the skiing a little bit. I'm more of a, uh, snowshoe trail guy now, but, uh, there you go. uh I need to get up there uh, for sure. It's not, it's nice to get away, isn't it? To get away from the laptop. Uh, definitely. No doubt about it. Now, does your buddy have like a ski in, ski out? Like you, you can you just like ski down into the lot to the room, or do you have to like get in a car and drive somewhere? Not quite, but is it is within uh, walking distance to one of the lifts, so it's like maybe a three minute walk. So almost, oh. almost ski in, ski out. But, great, uh, great. Yeah, I've been to some of those, seen some of those places before where you literally, you know, ski into your hot tub, and you know, still, still need to to sell a few more apps before you get to that point, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, very good. So where are you from originally? Uh, Geneva, Illinois. So about 45 minutes west of Chicago, downtown Chicago. Um, lived there, went to school in Iowa uh, at Drake in Des Moines, and then moved down here in 
2016 for a job. Okay. Tell me about your folks, siblings, things like that. Give me some history there if you don't mind. Yeah, definitely. So um, the easiest segue for probably some of the stuff we're going to talk about later um, is my dad's always been a business owner. He actually owned, has owned a software company for 30 years. Um, it's usually just been him and my mom, honestly, more uh, solo solopreneurs, right? Um, okay. But uh, kind of grew up around all of that and just, uh, you know, business ownership, entrepreneurship, and uh, just technology in general. Um, like I said, we'd always lived in the suburbs. So it was a lot of smaller mom and pop shops, I feel like for for the client base that uh, they had, but, you know, spent a lot of time around that growing up, um, as well as, you know, I've got one sibling, uh, younger sister, she actually lives in Seoul, South Korea, um, and is getting married in about two months. So we're going to be making the the trip out there. So no shortage of of travel between all the things we've been talking about so far, for sure. How did she get to the, to South Korea? Uh, study abroad and then just liked it, uh, found a job there and then has been there for the last six years, I want to say now at this point. Wow. And then met somebody. Now, how do your folks feel about that? Because if she has children and stuff <laughs> over there, they got grandkids halfway around the world. Is it, your mom and dad probably aren't super thrilled about that, I'm guessing. I mean, we always are trying to convince them to move back, but uh, I feel like that's an uphill battle. <laughs> Split yeah. time, right? Like, you know, she's been she's been over there for, for six years now. So we're like, he should come over and experience, you know, working in America and get like both cultures and stuff like that. So still trying to pull on that one, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Your mom and dad retired or they're still doing their thing? Uh, I would say semi, they're still doing their thing, but definitely slowing down. I think my, my dad will probably work forever just because that's the type of guy he is. He just always needs something to do. So even if it's, you know, 15 hours a week, I feel like that's kind of what he's uh, trying to transition towards. Is he part of ERP in any way? No, no, no. Okay. All right. Very good. And what kind of kid were you? I mean, you went to like a military, you went to like a, a, a boarding school or military prep school or something, right? So I'm guessing you were you were a straight arrow kid. You you, you didn't get in too much trouble. I'm guessing. Yeah, they didn't let you get in too much trouble at those types of uh, uh, spots, right? So it wasn't it wasn't a boarding school. It used to be, um, but it was a Catholic military high school, which is definitely a, an interesting combination, right? So a lot of times, a lot of times people see that and it's like, oh, is this where like troubled kids were sent, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but it was more of just like a, a college prep high school, right? And had like a ROTC program for, you know, uh, or a JROTC program for the military. Um, and quite a few people from my graduating class, we had about 120 um, in my high school graduating class. And I'd say about eight or nine of them went on to uh, academies. So either, you know, West Point or uh, Annapolis or something like that. So, you know, definitely a high percentage. And that's what, you know, one of the things that they were gearing you towards. Um, and then it also had that like, you know, Christian backed, faith based, you know, theology classes and things like that. So definitely an interesting combination. And it was all guys. Um, so, you know, throw all that into the mix. Um, and it made for an interesting four years for sure. Were you but thinking yeah. military Did early on in your when you're when you were a young man? Were you thinking military? No. No, I wasn't, but I feel like the, you know, some of the structure and some of the like leadership tactics and just some of like the learnings that you get are, are very valuable. My dad actually went to the same high school. Um, oh. So that's part of the reason that I went there um, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of the things that I learned, you know, back then, uh, you know, still apply today. Um, you know, even though you learned them 15 years earlier, they still, you know, can apply in, in the real world. So yeah, definitely no good learnings. Um, and it made college pretty easy, honestly, because it was so it was such a rigorous, uh, you know, coursework from when you're 13 to 18 or whatnot. And then, you know, you go to college and you only have to go to class for 
three hours a day makes it pretty pretty easy after right right you got to, you got, you got to you, you got to drake and you're like no problem <laughs> yeah well that's what my parents always joke about too it's like you know going to to marion for high school kind of prepared for what i was doing now right you go to school from eight to three you go to your sport from three to six then get home and eat dinner and then do homework from you know seven to eleven and i feel like that's that mirrors kind of the uh, workload of, uh, you know, anybody who's starting a business or going off on their own as a 1099 or really just doing anything that's not in like the corporate structure, right? Where it's just like, okay, eight to five, and there's always somebody to like back you up. Um, that kind of like, you know, eight to 10 workload all day, every day, kind of just one doesn't allow you to get in trouble, right? Like you mentioned earlier, and kind of sets you up for being in that mentality that, you know, school was a full-time job and now work is a full-time job. Right. So it was just kind of cool to see how things progress and how, and how about, uh, how about for you now, married kids, single, what, what's your social situation here? What's your relationship situation? Married, no kids yet. Okay. How long have you been married? Uh, since February. So almost a year. Whoa. You're still a newlywed. How'd you meet her? Tell me about your, your, your new wife. Yeah, definitely. So we actually grew up um, in kind of neighboring hometowns, knew who each other kind of were for a while, but didn't actually reconnect until after college. She was living in Wisconsin at the time, uh, and I was living down here in Dallas and kind of started hanging out. She was looking to move to Austin at the time, actually, and then uh, kind of was applying for jobs in both Austin and Dallas. Ended up moving here um, as we were kind of dating, and then obviously things just progressed in the right way. And then um, that was in 2018. So dated for a couple of years, wasn't, we're engaged for like a year and a half and I got married in February. So it kind of just like, you know, sprawled from just talking as, as friends to, you know, now obviously being married and thinking about having kids in the future. Right. Cool. Well, what's she do for a living? Uh, well, two things. She works for Neiman Marcus and she does uh, real estate on the side. Okay. But real estate. Well, that's a, we could do a whole segment on that. I could bring her on that. That's an interesting, uh, industry right now isn't it i don't know a lot of, lot of stuff going on there it's up and down that's why that's why she does both right <laughs> to supplement right. during the downtime so residential residential yeah. yeah yeah okay all right very good so you majored in finance right or business what, what was the plan what, what were you thinking you wanted to well you had the entrepreneurial bug obviously early on from your parents were you yeah. while you were at drake where you're like yeah this this degree is fine but i'm gonna i'm gonna be as soon as I'm going to work for somebody else for a little bit and then I'm going to do my own thing. What was the plan? Um, honestly, no, it wasn't. So I, you know, kind of going through that, my original plan, I always had an interest in just like how finance and money and all that kind of stuff like works in both the, you know, business standpoint, as well as kind of like an institutional standpoint. So, you know, the thing they plug into you, I feel like throughout all of school is that, you know, you do finance, you go to investment banking, right? Like that's the the path. So that's kind of like what I was looking at originally. And then as I started going, you know, through things and exploring jobs and, and internships and all that kind of thing, um, the technology piece started to like sneak in, right? Because as you're going through your finance classes and your accounting classes and all that thing, they're always, you know, you're always in Excel or you're always in, you know, an ERP system kind of like doing the, the financial transactions. And just kind of like going through that and, and growing up with technology, right. And involving technology, it was always just kind of cool to me to get hands on and just like figure things out. So I ended up taking more and more classes there. And um, all of a sudden I was like, you know, three or four classes away from also having a double major in MIS. So I was like, well, you know, I'm so close. I'm, I'm never going to like back to college to get those four classes. So I might as well just do them now. Right. Um, so I had added that in, and then that kind of, 
opened up my horizons from just looking at, you know, more of a, a finance role of either investment, uh, you know, investment banking or just, you know, personal investments. Those are kind of always the tracks I feel like you're led towards um, when people know that you're interested in finance to actually um, going to like a, a career day at the company I ultimately ended up working for for my first five years out of college. And RSM? Was, Is this RSM? Yeah. Yep. So, um was talking to a guy named Pat Vance over um, at RSM when we were at like a career day and was looking at like their like financial consulting kind of roles um, at the time. And he was like, I see that you're interested in technology too. He's like, do you, um, do you want to look at one of our ERP roles? And I was like, you know, 19, there's like 20 at the time. I'm like, I don't even know what ERP stands for. So <laughs> Can you tell me more about it? Right. And, um, you know, he kind of went on to explain that, you know, ERP is a mix of, you know, all the financials in and out, right. All of your customers paying you, all of your, all of you paying your vendors, you know, fixed assets, operations, inventory, like, and it kind of all started to sound cool. Right. Because it was getting a broader view of the business instead of just being an accountant or running the financial statements at the end of the year. So that really interested me. Um, and ultimately led me to my first full-time job and, you know, kind of like any full, full-time job first out of college, you don't know, is this going to be like what you want to do? So for me, it was kind of just like a, an experiment because you have the skills and, you know, you can work somewhere for two, three years and then go find something else if you don't like it. But I ended up really falling in love with it um, and really kind of getting a knack for the software and enjoyed learning it and, you know, always just okay. kind of like my personality, I would say being more um, outgoing. Uh, I like talking to people. So it was a good mix of being able to talk to people and help people while being able to apply some technical and financial skills. So again, it wasn't like a uh, a magic button overnight. It's kind of all just like progressed over the years, I would say, I can, into yeah. more yeah. and more. I can see where it all fits together, though. The tech, the people skills that you have with the EQ, the finance background, all three go together to put you exactly where you're at now. Well, um, and then what happened? You went to work for another company for just a little bit before ERP, right? Yeah. So then I had worked there for um, five years. We had uh, Microsoft was just coming out with a new technology at the time called Business Central, which is now my main focus. It was kind of the cloud version of Navision, which is an older on-premise system from Business Central. So I was one of the first people working on that team at RSM. It was really fun. It was really exciting, right? Because we got to kind of build out a new team, you know, work with the new technology kind of learning. It definitely had its bugs and problems at the beginning, like any new technology does, but it was just kind of fun to see that grow. And then we got to a point where we were, you know, they're much larger now, but even then got to a point where we were large enough where it wasn't, for me, it just wasn't as fun anymore because there's more checks and balances and, you know, less autonomy to do stuff, which at a bigger company, you know. Because when you first joined that company, how many employees were there? Oh, I mean, there was, you know, tens of thousands of employees, but our team was like 10 people. Um, okay. Kind of, you right. know, I All didn't right. start the team, but the team that started that I got kind of brought into okay. um, gotcha. had 10 people. And when I left, they probably had like 50 people, right? So you need, you know, more checks and balances and less people just kind of like running to their own uh, tune, right? Okay. Um, right. That's when I found, or that's when Concero found me um, and had talked about, you know, they were a, a tech startup in Austin and it sounded like really fun and exciting. So I jumped over there for about a year and a half and then kind of working at a startup at that point, uh, I think is really when I got the bug for starting my own thing, right? Like, honestly, when I was at RSM, I never thought of starting my own thing. When I left, it was just, you know, for a pay raise to get a new job, get a better title, you know, get more responsibility, things like that, help grow a team again. Um, 
because originally my plan was to kind of go all the way through, um, you know, okay. with the, the RSM path, because they have a great, you know, they've got a great plan, a great comp structure and great partnership uh, types of things as well. So that was kind of my original mindset. Then I went and worked for the startup and was like, man, I gotta, you know, I gotta do this myself because, um, you know, this is really fun and this is where it's at in order of starting something from the ground up and really building. Um, so kind of towards the end of when I was leaving, I was thinking, you know, how can I, how can I do this myself? And at the time I had people like old clients had reached out to me, like looking for help. And that's obviously the first, that's the hardest part, right? Getting the first clients. Yes. So it was, it was kind of nice to have, you know, already two or three people, you know, past friends or, or colleagues or things like that. They're like, Hey, I need help. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I could kind of, you know, quit and go do this myself. And everybody pretty much starts as, you know, a 1099 or if you incorporate, you're still pretty much a 1099 because it's just yourself, right? Even though it's business to business. So really started doing that. And even though it was only, you know, 10 or 15 hours a week, you know, 10 or 15 hours a week at your own bill rate where you collect hundred percent of it almost ends up being, you know, exactly. a large, a large majority of what your salary was at the last place. So that kind of de-risked it for me and anybody looking to do the same thing, I would highly recommend that, right? Like kind of, put your bobbers in the water before just jumping um, because it's good to get some market feedback as to whether people would actually work with you um, in a, you know, solo kind of basis. So, great point. Great point. Can I pause yeah. right there and yeah, good, yeah, good go advice for, for the listeners? Uh, let me just ask you the first gig or two that you took, were you doing them nights and weekends while you kept the full-time job or did you just flip right away? Um, it was a pretty much a flip. There was like a, a small overlap where I was just fielding some calls, like while I was on my way out, but, um, okay. okay. Yeah. But I mean, again, yeah, the more you can do without, you know, the more you can do without kind of getting into a gray area of overlapping, right. Cause I know for most companies, right. Like the good thing about this company is they were doing like Sage and and some other ERPs and I was doing business central. So there was no like conflicts of interest or, or, okay. you know, like Very I good. couldn't. I couldn't even call on my old clients under an ICP, even, even if I wanted to, because they wouldn't need anything I was doing, right? Because I, 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 I see they were doing more sage and then I jumped back to, to BC. I'd say the only thing people need to be careful about is if like I was working for a BC shop and working for BC clients on the side, that's typically a no-no, right? So Agreed. Could you make Concero one of your clients? Was that possible to try to make them a client or no? Not really, just because no. um, okay. what we're doing is... Um, Okay. You know, I'm doing basically what I'm doing now is more so in line with what I was doing at RSM originally over what I was doing with Concero. They were more of a Concero is more of like a finance as a service, like managed accounting shop. Whereas um, what we're doing now is pretty much, you know, creating technology and implementing technology on top of or next to Business Central. Okay. Before we get into an ERP complete overview, yeah. will yeah. you <laughs> explain to the listeners in commoner language? Business Central, like when you when you're saying Business Central, like some of the listeners will be like, I don't know what he's talking about. Give it, can you give us an overview? Yep. So Business Central is a Microsoft ERP solution. So think of uh, a lot of people compare it. I would say to QuickBooks is kind of like the the familiar thing that most people know, right? So it's like a QuickBooks on steroids, on a lot of steroids, right? <laughs> a lot of more features and functions. You can manage your customers, your vendors, your items, all of your financials. Uh, your fixed assets. So pretty much anything going in and in or out of your business money-wise, and then anything attached to those transactions is what Business Central is kind of housing. And then within that, of course, you know, all of your data is going in and then it allows you to uh, do all of your, you know, month end and year end and operational reporting out of the system. So it's 
it's pretty much your one-stop shop for everything going in and out of your business and then tracking that from a, a reporting standpoint. Okay. Very good. Thanks for that overview. Okay. So yeah. you're at Concero. What happens? Are you now, you just got married. So when you started ERP, you were not married yet. Um, wh what were you, we, we, we at like the pub with your friends and you're having a, a beer and you're like, fuck it. I'm going to do my own thing. Like I'm out. Like what, tell me about that moment where you're like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Tell me about it. It was really when I started getting some some outreach from um, some of my clients, and it wasn't yeah, it wasn't like a, a group decision or in, in any okay. setting uh, other than the setting that I'm in right now, right? Staring at your computer screen for twelve hours a day and seeing more and more things, and it's just like, man, you know, I could really just I could really do this by myself, and I think it'd be a lot more want like you know, it's not all about the money, but like you know, the money would be better, and you get to control your time. So I kept looking back at those two things, and I'm like what do I like and what do I not like about this? And I was like, you know, the biggest things I didn't like were you don't control your own time and you don't control your own finances. Right. Which I think for some people, those are exciting. And for some people, those are extremely scary. Right. Some people just want to show up eight to five and collect their That's check. True. Yes. And that works for them. And for me, that honestly was kind of the thing, like you said, that was a tipping point that kind of didn't piss me off, but <laughs> got me to be like, I can't, I can't do this for, you know, the next 30 years of just working for somebody else and collecting a check. I'm going to, you know, there might be bad months and there might be good months, but hopefully the good months outweigh the bad months in aggregate. And uh, it ends up being more, you know, beneficial in both a time and uh, a monetary standpoint. What a, so far what has a, been, so. Yeah. What a, what a great summary right there. It's true. You know, in fact, in fact, the vast majority of the population would, would, would just, prefer to go in, punch the clock, do their job, come home, make their dinner, watch their little TV show, go to bed, do it, do it the next day. Like the majority of people are totally happy doing that. And you know what? God bless them. I, Hey, cool. If that's your gig, go for it. I like you, I don't want to live like that. I, I lived like that long enough and earlier in my career and the freedom of time, the freedom of managing time that you touched on there. For me personally, as an entrepreneur, Ben, I can't even put a value on that. People sometimes ask ask me, they'll say, well, what is that worth? And my answer is, man, I don't even know. It's it's worth so much. Here's how I, this is how I answer it usually. I, I'll say, look, let me answer it this way. I used to be an old uh, operations executive, CPG, wholesale retail guy. And I ran a couple of $40 million companies as a CEO before I started RiderFlex. And so this is how I answer it. I say, look, if a company called me tomorrow and said, hey, we're going to make you the COO for an apparel company. We're going to pay you 400 grand a year, but you need to move to Detroit and shut down Riderflex. I would say, no, thank you. <laughs> because, I, you know, I'll make, I'll make half of that and live in Colorado and go to the mountains anytime I want without having to ask somebody. That's what I prefer. Right. The yeah. time, the freedom of managing time is uh, hard to measure. So, yeah. And I, going off of that, like one of the things I usually talk about as well, um, just, you know, because I feel like the people who aren't in it don't understand sometimes like what it takes, especially at the beginning. Right. So I think especially now that, you know, we're about we're almost three years into ERP Connect. And I think the mentality most people get is on the extreme side of what you just said, where it's like, Hey Ben, let's like, let's go do this, that, and the other, whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah. Like, you know, I can't do that today. Like I'm busy. Like I've got like this work stuff to do. They're like, 
why aren't you the boss? Can you just take off whenever you want? I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, sure I could. Can, but, you know, can. Things, things things may go very negative if I just disappear <laughs> for three days and don't tell anybody, right? Like, sure, everybody takes vacations, and I usually even still, you know, I'm answering emails and things like that on vacation. But I think, you know, in the short term, for like definitely the first like three to five years, um, I always joke that you know I didn't want to work the eight to five anymore so now i just work 24 7 <laughs> it is happening. 20 it is it's 24 7 with the ability to take an hour or two in there and do what you want without having to ask somebody that's the key i think right for sure yeah i think that's you know i think that's the point to go back to but um kind of anybody's getting started right like it is a ton of hours up front oh, sure. but it's like anything in life right like if you wait until like let's look at your 401k for example right if you wait till you're 40 to start contributing to your 401k versus you know when you're 20 fresh out of college you know time yeah. gives such value in those first 20 years that maybe by the time you're 40 you can stop investing money in your 401k and it will just grow until you're 60 to be enough to retire whereas if you start at 40 you're going to need to invest four times the amount monthly to get to that same amount i think it works the same with you know the investment of time right so investing, you know, 70, 70 to 80 hours a week up front for the first, you know, two to three years may get you to that point where you can, you know, work 20 hours uh, a week. And yeah, maybe. that's, that's okay, because you've built out a team and a process and technology and whatever it might be to sustain that. So again, instead of having to work 40 to 45 hours a week from when you're 20 to when you're 65, you could work, you know, 70 to 80 from when you're 30 to 35, let's say, and then, you know, 20 starting when you're 45 or something, right? It's all about the upfront investment and how that kind of compounds over time. I, I mean, I'm just always involved and I just like what I do. So I don't see myself slowing down, but I'm sure at some point <laughs> I want to. <laughs> Uh, okay, now's a good time to give us the overview. ERP Connect Consulting, and by the way, for the listeners, it's erpconnectconsulting.com. Give us the pitch, Ben. Go for it. Yeah, so like I said earlier, uh, Business Central is the ERP that we sit on top of. So originally, we had started as just a consulting firm doing implementations and support of Business Central. That, over time, grew into filling gaps in Business Central, which has now led us to kind of our flagship product called Business Central Toolbox, which is a collection of 28 uh, productivity automation and reporting solutions that sit directly in Business Central. So think of automating AR, right? Getting invoices out to your customers automatically, doing financial dashboarding on AR, AP, aging, uh, bank accounts, balance checks, things like that, uh, sales reporting on, you know, how you're doing this week, this month, this year, um, some CRM type stuff where you can track sales versus goals and your sales team and pipeline and things like that. So, you know, I could spend all day talking about that, but pretty much anything that your business is doing from start to finish, right? Sales, procurement, um, financials, anything like that. We're helping manage in the base business central system. And then we're taking that and, you know, injecting some more steroids, like I talked about earlier, to, to beef up those functions and ultimately save you time, right? We're trying to eliminate a lot of the manual mundane day-to-day tasks by automating those and putting things on a schedule where we can so that you can have less button clicks and get back to, you know, more of that either free time like we talked about or value add time um you know because for me it doesn't add any value for me to sit there and click send every single invoice it adds a lot of value to offload that have it happen automatically and then do things like this or more sales activities or, or growing the vision of the business right so 
pretty sounds much all like focused you, on getting time back. So it sounds like you started the business as a service business, a SaaS service business, and now you're also a SaaS product company, both. Exactly. And, and more so focused on the products and then services for our products. So that's kind of our okay. business model now, right? The, uh, we're always selling the product first. And then if people want to self-implement, great. We've got documentation. Um, but most people say, hey, we want, you know, we want you to hold our hand. We want this to be successful. So that's where all of our services are coming from now. Whereas before, again, like I said, I started, it was just me. What so what what do you do? You you answer the phone, you answer people's questions and charge for your time, right? Um, and now we're doing the same thing, but our base offering is always the business central toolbox, and then all of our professional service hours are coming from. Uh, supporting that and then further optimization efforts, right? So pretty much fielding any sort of smaller projects that the clients want, um, either during their implementation with their partner or uh, post go live to kind of beef up what they'd already implemented over their implementation cycle. And how many, uh, by the way, I don't think you're a programmer. So I'm guessing you had to either raise some cash or partner with people to code the software that you're using for your product. Tell me how you did that. Yeah, so I'm not um, a developer. So my business partner has been doing uh, app dev for the last 25 years in NAV and Business Central. So we complement each other very well. And I think that's the most important thing, right? Putting the the right people in the right seats. So we've got myself, um, our VP of app dev, a VP of sales, uh, a couple product managers, and then a development manager. So we've got, you know, under our VP of app dev, who's my business partner, we've also got uh, another developer under him who kind of manages a lot of the day-to-day now. Very good. Very good. Did they build it on equity or you had enough cash to pay them to write this uh, uh, code for or, or do the program? Yeah. Equity. Yeah. And that's good, in, good, good information for the listeners, the aspiring entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's Talk about how you did that. It's just real quick without, uh, you don't have to go 30 minutes on it, but you know, I get a lot of people on the show, a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs are like, Hey, I got this great idea, but I don't have any freaking cash. And I got to talk my friends into helping me build this shit. So how do I do that? Can you just talk a little bit about how you, you were like, Hey guys, I can't pay you anything, but let's go this way. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, I think that all comes down to having the same vision, right? There's, there's two ways to do it. And you just listed both of the ways, right? You can own everything and take a bunch of your own money or a bunch of other people's money, but they all have their pros and cons, right? If you take, let's say, so I guess there's three situations. So let's go over those three in my, in my scenario, right? The first one is, in my opinion, the easiest from an operational standpoint, but the hardest from a people standpoint, because you have to get everybody aligned in the same vision, right? Because nobody, nobody wants to work for free. I don't want to work for free. You don't want to work for free, but you know, the, like I talked about earlier, the investment now for putting in all the free hours or the development hours or the documentation hours or the video hours, right, that we've now have where people can self-serve was a lot of time invested over the last two years that now, you know, I'll just get an order. I got I got one this morning where somebody just, you know, okay, $1,000 comes in on Shopify. Great. I didn't talk to anybody, right? Awesome. And, and that's because of all the, you know, quote unquote, free work that we did over the last two years. And that's, it's, it's easy if everyone's aligned and it's hard if people aren't aligned and if people aren't aligned at the beginning, I feel like they're never going to get aligned. So I feel like that's one of the most important things to evaluate upfront, right? Does everyone share the same vision? But luckily in our case, um, we did and it wasn't, for me, it was easier because it wasn't me like just kind of casting a net and saying, Hey, does anybody want to do this? It was kind of right place, right time where I had either worked with some of these people in the past or had started working with them. And we were kind of just honestly brainstorming ideas. And it was like, 
hey, I've thought about doing this in the past. I'm like, I've also thought about doing this in the past. It's like, you want to team up and kind of do it together? Like, yeah, sure. That makes sense. So I think that's the, again, least capital intensive way to do it, but the hardest from, a, you know, getting everybody on board standpoint. Yeah, yeah. The next would be, or the next two both involve cash, right? Let's say, you know, let's just say I had a million dollars in the bank, which I don't. Um, <laughs> I could take all that money out, pay somebody to develop it all, right? And then I own a hundred percent of it, which- yeah if it never takes off, I just took a million dollars of my money and it's just gone. Right. So that's very risky from a monetary standpoint, but also has probably the biggest upside because then, you know, if you sell the company for $50 million, you get 50 million instead of 25, if you're going 50, 50. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, pros and cons there. And then a third is, you know, take money from other people. You can either get it from your friends and family. You can get it from investors again, depending on what you do. Right. I feel like the, the friends and family one is again big, you know, high risk, high reward. If it goes well, everyone's really happy, and if it doesn't go well, you know, Thanksgiving's gonna be really awkward, right? Exactly. Um, so <laughs> that's <clears throat> I've never considered that just because uh, you know I feel like that gets you into a, yeah, a sticky yeah. area. It's kind of like it's kind of like borrowing money from a, a friend or, or a family yep. member, right? If, if I totally I, agree. If I borrow money from you and, you know, for, for X and then I go buy a new car and then people are like, wait, 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 I thought I loaned you money. Why are you buying a new car? And it's like, then they have, then they have their hands yes. in the pot no matter, on everything you're doing. So it just becomes, it just becomes awkward. So I feel like the, the easiest to, well, from a, you know, mental health standpoint are yeah. doing it yourself or, um, you know, doing it with your own money because the only person you have to blame is yourself then. Um, yeah. That's kind of the mentality that I, that I go to. And then of course, you know, investors are great too, because it's less personal. If you lose their money, okay, like you're probably not calling you again, but then you also give up quite a bit of your business for like, you know, just the money, right? Like typically they're not serving as advisors or board members, unless you get up to, you know, a big valuation where they want to have a board seat or something like that. But most of the time, you know, if I ask somebody for a million bucks, they're just going to give me a million bucks and then say, okay, give me 2 million back in five years or whatever it is. Right. Like they're just, all they want is a return on their investment. They're not adding any um, value to the business in terms of typically in terms of, you know, technical expertise, leadership and like anything like that. Right. It's just, it's just a loan pretty much. Agreed. And uh, the cap table now, are you still in control? Are you in control over 51% personally or who's, who's in charge when the shit hits the fan? That's my question. Uh, me yeah it's not stressful too sometimes (laughs) i got you okay and are you sustainable cash flow wise like are you are you are your friends and you still kind of working below what your market value is from a comp perspective or you're able to pay yourself now for a decent living where you where you at uh, you know in that life cycle yeah i would say we're kind of right at that median where you know we're right at our market value um okay probably for you know obviously for the the last two years it was it's always going to be under as you start just because you got to be absolutely you know you got to spend money to make money so a lot of it goes into investing in the business now i'd say we're probably at that median point and my goal is you know in in 2025 probably starting um to start seeing some serious like upside return in terms of same time output for more money output right whereas now it's pretty directly correlated still you know having to 
again, if I just took off a month, that would negatively impact financials. If anybody took a, a month off, it would negatively impact it because we're either losing out on sales or development or um, you know implementations for our, our products. And we just have to push things off. So um, I think starting next year, we'll really start to see, which yeah. would be about a four-year time frame. So again, that's why I say three to five years. And the, the, I was reading something last week that it's like, people don't fail at, fail at business. They just quit or give up. Right. So I feel like if, if you can kind of push through that, that wall, cause there's always going to be walls, there'll be walls for the next 20 years. Right. There'll oh, there's always going to be wall. There's, there's always, always gonna... be, there'll always be a new wall, but oh, yeah, totally. getting through that first initial kind of cash wall or, or salary wall. Right. I think is, is the biggest one. Cause it's hard. Well, yeah, you're, you're, you're the, 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 the first, the first hurdle of actually being able to pay yourself and not burning cash, you're already there. I mean, that's a, just getting to that point is a major accomplishment. Uh, you know, so that, that's, that's outstanding. What's the, are you thinking, Hey, this is a great lifestyle business for me and my friends. We're just going to grow this and raise our families, or I'm going to try to eventually move this from a lifestyle business to a growth business and sell it. Have you even had those conversations? Are you even thinking about stuff like that? Where are you at with that? Right now? I mean, and not even consider, I mean, at some point we'll have to consider those options at this point. It's pretty much just kind of all hands on deck continuously building. Okay. Cause no matter what, happens for either of those situations if we keep building in the right direction both of those outcomes are favorable then so it doesn't really matter what the timeline is right eventually at some point you know everyone has to you know take a step back and and sell or divest or something like that so i mean that's obviously in the cards i would say for for any business um but not something that we're looking at like you know in the short term but i'm sure it'll be a conversation in the long term okay all right very good Towards the, the last part of this, I want to ask, I want to kind of shift gears into what's happening on the planet with regards to tech and AI and how that might affect what you're doing, if you don't mind. Let's talk a little bit about that because it's, you know, such a huge topic right now. Um, but real quick, again, just erpconnectconsulting.com um, and Ben Cole on LinkedIn. You can find him there as well. Ben... <laughs> I'm sure as a tech guy and a smart guy, you seem like a very smart guy. I'm sure that you're laying in bed at night, sometimes going, okay, how is this, this advancement on AI going to affect everything we're doing? Is there going to be some uh, artificial general intelligence assistant that just does all this shit for my clients and they don't need me anymore? How soon will that happen? I'm sure these thoughts are going through your head. Talk to me about it, my friend. Yeah, definitely. So I think there's a lot of different, probably like schools of thought there, right? I, you know, one, people don't want to lose their jobs to AI and two people want to use AI to enhance their productivity. I would say I'm on the latter, uh, the latter side, just because I don't, I don't think there'll be a mass uh, exodus of the workforce because AI is replacing. I think it'll be more so of a complement to increase people's uh, productivity. And the one main reason I say that is just because in a day-to-day, -day, right, you have to be able to ask the right questions to get the right answers, I think. Um, and if everyone asked the right question and could answer the right answer the first time, we would never need to have meetings, right? And we look at all the meetings that we're all in every single day because everything needs discussion, right? To make decisions or get to the right answer or kind of problem solve through things. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things we go back and forth with our clients on a day-to-day -day basis, right? They send me a request, hey, can you build this for us or do this for us? It's like, you know, 
did you mean A, B, or C, <laughs> right? Because it was right. ambiguous, right? So I think, <laughs> again, if uh, depending on how quickly, let's say, the machine can learn or it can kind of predict our behavior, then yeah, you know, some of those things could start to be replaced. And I think we'll see it first off and, you know, like I know Amazon's already announcing replacing warehouse workers with, yep. you know, robots, right? Yep. So I think, I think, and, and McDonald's probably flipping burgers and things like that, yep. right? So I feel like some of those lower, um, you know, paying jobs uh, and the ones that are more repeatable where they don't take a lot of, you know, decision-making, right? Like what, what's my decision-making and putting this box here, there's not really a decision. So a, a machine can do that, right? I think we'll see it a lot there. From a professional service standpoint, um, kind of shifting into what we're doing, I see it more as a an aid to what we do to get information faster, right? Like, you know, somebody sends an error message or a, something you've never seen, what's the first thing you do? You typically Google it, right? See if somebody else has seen the same thing in the past, do some research and, you know, maybe that takes you 10 minutes, maybe it takes you 30 minutes to scroll through a few pages and find what you're looking for. I think probably the biggest application there will be able to take that and, you know, type that same question from maybe it's, maybe it's still Google and they add an AI component or it's chat GPT or something like that, right? And then uh, it is able to, maybe ask some follow-up questions or send you kind of uh, a better SEO than maybe Google would, or again, maybe they're plugged in together just based on how large they are. Um, and what Microsoft is doing is, uh, which I really like, they're calling it co-pilot. So it's not, yeah, right. you know, it's, it's not here. They're just going to do everything for you. It's kind of your co-pilot that sits next to you and is kind of, you know, keeping you on the straight and narrow, keeping you on track and making sure that you get where you need to go. Um, so I like the way that they're branding that because I really, in my opinion, that's how AI will work. And again, like I've, you know, I'm a, a tech and a finance guy, so I'm not, I'm not the best like writer, let's say, right. Like that was never my strong suit. So mm -hmm. if I'm trying to write a blog article or something like for sure, I'm going to type up my notes and maybe plug them in and say, you know, make this sound better. Right. And put in mm -hmm. some better verbiage or some better flow, which I think is probably the biggest improvement to, um, again, people just getting back time. Right. It used to take me you know, maybe a couple hours to get it perfect because I go back through it so many times. Now you can use tools to kind of just, you know, brainstorm and jot everything down in 10 minutes and then have it kind of write something up. But then that's where the co-pilot comes back in because I would never publish something that I put in 10 bullet points and say, write me an article and then I'm copying and pasting it, right? It's okay, that sounds really good. Now let me put my own personal touches on it and get more into um, what I would want to, to say, right? So I think that's, that's where I see it. Because um, anytime, you know, if everyone just starts using AI and just copying and pasting, then everyone's going to lose their, their, their skills. Right. And then pretty <laughs> much then nobody has any value and we're just relying on, you know, machines to make the decisions, which I don't think is, is how it'll okay. go. But um, definitely a lot of, like a lot of cool applications, definitely some that are, you know, labor restricting where, you know, it might force people out of work, unfortunately, but um you know, I also think some some great applications to to increase productivity. You know, the you see some of these articles, they'll say uh, 30 to 40 percent of the population on planet Earth could be affected w with job loss or change or job transition with AI. You know, those are some of the more doomsday reports. Um, I don't know. You know, it's I, I don't think anybody knows, but uh I know one thing for sure. You you touched on it several times right there in that in that uh, speech you just gave, which is time. 
it, it frees your mind uh, and tactical activity with more time, in my opinion, to be even more creative with ideas and different things. Um, I know it does for me. That that's how it's worked for me. It, and I do I do treat it like an assistant. Like you know, I treat ChatGPT in my mind. ChatGPT is my assistant. Like yeah. hey, just do these things for me so that I can move faster. So now I can concentrate and think about these other creative ideas that I have that I didn't used to have time to get to. Yeah. That, that, that's how I look at it. Um, so hopefully, and you know, hopefully the freeing up of time that create, that, that allows for more creativity and, and innovation will drive jobs in different directions rather than just job loss. At least I hope, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Or we'll all just be on universal pay and I'll spend time in the mountains going camping and we, none of us will have to work. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. And I feel like, yeah, just with how long it takes for some of these things to um, evolve as well. I feel, you know, we're just on the brink right now, of like what, yeah, totally. you know, people are, using it for so it'll be interesting to see i mean there'll definitely be a short term like probably uh right job loss and factories yes and like that just with those things but then over time right we'll need people to do yeah. you know you always need people to maintain the machines right so there'll be yeah. new jobs that didn't exist before but yeah i feel like it's a big gray area right now and a lot of people don't know what they don't know but it was kind of like i look at what like you know blockchain was set out to do 10 years ago that it's you know still hasn't been fully adopted it's been adopted in some areas but it's like that was supposed to streamline you know all transactions in all places and make everything much easier right um and you know people are still trying to adopt it so there'll be there'll always be the early adopters which is you know usually yes. the first five percent let's say of people and then you know the next 50 percent that kind of come in behind it but um, yeah i don't know until everything is standardized it's really hard in my opinion to have that just be something where you can just fully rely on it right? i think like you nailed it, it. I, I think you know your prediction of i agree i think there's going to be some short-term pain for sure there's going to be this yeah. weird weird immediate job loss short term like holy shit but i think that will fade i think you got it right right there that's my prediction as well we'll see maybe we'll look back on this recording five years from now and see if we were right i don't know yeah, no, but I feel like, again, if it was, if it was everything, it was cracked up to be like right now today, then there'd be so many things that are repetitive that should be able to be automated, right? Like tax season is coming up. Like, why can't True. I just, why can't I just plug in all of my stuff to my tax GPT and it just spits out my returns, right? Like if it was That'd so, be, yes. if it was so advanced, but no, you still have to pay your CPA a couple thousand bucks to do That's all right. the filings in your business and personal. So again, like can all that be automated? Sure. But like, does it still need somebody to look at it? I mean, yeah. Like it's kind of like I had a client, an old client that in the real estate business was trying to essentially remove the need for a realtor, right. And have all of your home purchase and yeah. um, sale online for a flat fee of $5,000. Right. Mm -hmm. So in theory, that's great because you know, the, the seller is the one paying all the fees. So if you've got a $500,000 house, sure, I'll, I'll pay $5,000 to sell my house versus, you know, $15,000 on a, on a half a million dollar house um, or $30,000 if you have to pay both sides, right? So $5,000 sounds great, but their biggest problem was that with everyone's biggest purchase online, it was tough to shift the mentality, right? Like nobody's buying houses online just because 
they were probably too far ahead of their time in 15 yep. years. Maybe that's the maybe that's yeah. the way things go, right? But right now, people don't want that because they want to feel that you know personal connection when they're making the biggest investment of their life. I was um, I was reading a book last week, and I think it goes hand in hand with kind of like what we're talking about right now, right? They were saying, you know, if Henry Ford asked his client base what they wanted before that he, you know, the, the car existed, they would set a faster horse, right? So sometimes people don't know what they want in the future. And sometimes you may be too early. And there was a point in time where you did have, you know, horses and cars on the road at the same time. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a transition period. And now, you know, I, I actually did see a horse on the road. I was driving from Chicago to, uh, to Dallas after Christmas. Um, and we we're going through uh -huh. Amish country, right. And you see a horse on the road and it just doesn't feel right. Um, but <laughs> you know, that might be what this, this AI, you know, thing, transitions into who knows you know people yeah. may not know people may not know i think people don't know what they need right and i think that's the problem um or not the problem but that's why it won't get adopted as fast as everyone thinks it will because they'll just be doing what people are telling them to do and that will be like well that doesn't really benefit me that doesn't ben benefits the person or the person that created it thought it would benefit people and it doesn't right so yeah. i think it'll be a lot of trial and error of okay i made this awesome tool like again ChatGPT invented people were just using it to ask you know random questions at first and it was fun and it was more of a social media thing and now it has actual work application where, you know, like we said you can get over writer's block maybe um so yeah it'll yep, totally. but we'll see it's gonna be a fa it's a fascinating world we're living in it's gonna be interesting to see how it yeah. all plays out for sure uh yeah but kind of like kind of like bitcoin right it's not it's not our standard currency and you know 10 years ago there's people saying oh this is you know dollars are going away everyone's just gonna be using bitcoin well that hasn't happened yet right it hadn't happened but it's yeah who knows it might but well, it hasn't it's been a long time since it came out so we'll you're see right you're right well ben congratulations um on having the balls and the guts to you know transition in, into your own business and getting it going and getting your friends to join you and maintaining control of the cap table and being cash flow sustainable to where you're not burning cash and actually being able to pay yourself all major milestones. Congratulations on all of that. You should be super proud of, of all the things you're doing there. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the team, right? Like, you know, it's not one individual, everybody puts in and the work and we wouldn't have been able to do it without everybody's work over the last, you know, three years. So definitely, takes a village in that, in that uh, sense. Well, just remember when you get busier and busier and busier and you have to hire a bunch of people, you need to call your friends at RiderFlex because I'm the one that's going to help you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, ben, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Steve.